Hello, this is Sarah Pearson, Features Editor at the Concord Monitor, here with Granite Geek David Brooks to learn more about an article he wrote this week. Hello, Dave. Hello, Sarah. So, Dave, the headline you put on your column this week was, Wildlife would be a lot easier to protect if it didn't move around so much. What do you mean? I mean exactly what I said in that, um, you know, it's one thing to put aside a big chunk of land, you know, 500 acres here, 200 acres there, to preserve wildlife, but then, you know, summertime comes and the wildlife wants to move somewhere else, and all of a sudden there's nowhere that's protected for it to move. So for a long, long time, uh, a lot of our, you know, emphasis on protecting fish and animals and birds and insects and everything has been on preventing development from large chunks of property. And that's great, we need to keep doing that, but because of the movement of wildlife, uh, that, that has a, a serious flaw in it. It doesn't, doesn't work as well as it should. But wouldn't that also mean if wildlife moves, then they could move away from issues? Uh, well, uh, in some cases, yes, but in general, no. So the problem is that they don't move because they want to. They move because they have to. So your, your typical case is, you know, your migrating birds, your classic example. They spend the summer up here, and they spend the winter down in the tropics. They don't do that because they really like flying enormous distances. They do that because they can't survive all year long in either area. They need enough food. They need protection or whatever. So they they have to move, and this this happens for almost every species. Um, you know, little tiny salamanders. They they, they move uh, out of their vernal pools when the vernal pools disappear uh, in the spring. Or there are many animals that, that mate in one environment but live much of their adult life in another environment, so they have to go from one environment to the other. And if you're not protecting them while they move, it doesn't really matter if you're protecting them at one part or another part of their life cycle because they have to be able to get to both of them. That's the issue that uh, I wrote about this week, and that's obviously an issue a lot of people know about. And so I was particularly prodded by um, a couple of years ago, this, the legislature passed a, a law saying we need to look into this and about an uh, issue what is known as wildlife corridors, which is creating protected areas where wildlife can move, whether it's, you know, a large swath of undeveloped land connecting two big chunks of property that are 100 miles apart or whether it's a, a nice culvert underneath the road so that the salamanders can get to and from where they need to go, even if they're only, you know, even if it's 20 yards apart. So um, there was an issue, a report recently issued uh, by Fish and Game by their uh, non-game department about wildlife corridors and about what people are doing, what the state is doing, what organizations are doing to identify where they're needed, uh, to see which ones already exist, and to try to create new ones. And, so what are their solutions to this? Well, unfortunately, there isn't a solution. There isn't even a few solutions. It's, it, this is, like so many environmental issues, it's, it's complicated, multifaceted. So there, one of the things the report found, in fact, when I talked to the lead author, she said this was, this was the pleasant surprise, is that there are already a lot of organizations working on it. There's, there's a number of projects. Um, I've written about, for example, up in Route 2, the Wildlife Crossing Project. Route 2 is one of the major roads up in the up in the uh, western part of the, uh, the North Country, there's projects use game cameras and the like to actually see how wildlife behaves when it tries to cross a relatively busy road and therefore how what, what we can best do to help it cross the road. So, you know, if a bear needs to go from this place to that place without getting hit by a car, what's the best thing you do? Do you need to 
do you need to you know slow traffic down? Do you need to even you know divert traffic at certain times of the year, or is it possible to build um, a special crossing bridge? Although that's pretty expensive, not likely to happen. So um, there's there's projects like that. There's something called Connect the Seacoast, which is uh, studying areas, uh, well, uh, wetlands areas and ocean areas and the inland areas all on the seacoast to try and figure out good ways to let, again, wildlife move from one portion to another if they need to go from you know salt water to fresh water and back again or a marsh area to non-marsh area how you do that um, it's but it's development and it's this sort of thing is really bound to be inconvenient because one of the major things that uh, blocks wildlife uh, traffic is um, is roads is our roads and we like our roads we don't you know we don't want to be inconvenienced when we're driving around just because there's some salamanders around a certain time of year and so uh, overcoming those obstacles isn't easy but the first part of overcoming them is understanding what they are and what you need to do and that's what that's what this is really focusing on which is I think I think a good idea so all right Dave well thank you so much for talking about this you bet you can learn more about the wildlife movement and crossings at ConcordMonitor.com, and you can see all the Granite Geek columns and related stories at GraniteGeek.org. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, Google Music, Podbean, or iTunes. The theme music is Little Smartphone People by The Spider.